on here, I guess that'll help a lot. Amen. Boy, if you're not on that road to glory land, you need to be. And uh, boy, what a, what a blessed road to be on, because honestly, um, I don't know about you, but I, I, I do get tired. Uh, I get tired of fighting uh, myself. I get tired of fighting my own flesh and my own uh, wickedness. And boy, what a day when we'll be in heaven And uh, boy, we don't have to worry about that anymore. And what a blessing that'll be. And I hope that you are saved and been born again. And if you're not, you can be today uh, by putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to save you and put you on that road. So uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and open up to Joshua chapter 24. And just briefly, we, uh, we had our church picnic yesterday, had a great time. And if you missed it, you missed it. You just did. And, uh, and so, uh, Lord willing, we'll, we'll have another one in the future. Not, probably not this year, uh, but, uh, but we'll have another one, I'm sure, and, and we'll look forward to another good time. But um, we, had a, we did have a good time yesterday. It was a blessing, and the rain, there was no rain. It was kind of overcast, which was kind of nice. It wasn't glaring sun on you all day long, so that worked out well. Joshua chapter 24, I've been preaching on the family for a while, and before I, actually before I get into this as well, I said something in Sunday school, but let me just say this as well, uh, the morning service that uh, we were praying for Liz Rogers, uh, that's Mark Rogers' wife, and uh, her surgery did go well, and we thank the Lord for that. Uh, I was texting Brother Mark Rogers and just letting him know we were praying for him, and he certainly appreciated it, and things did go well, and so that is an answer to prayer. And Brother Mark Rogers will be with us in August, uh, or not August, I'm sorry, October, which it's September, so that's next month uh, for our, our revival services, and so uh, you want to be here for that, make a, make a note of that, and we'll look forward to that. Uh, but back to Joshua, chapter 24, I've been preaching on the family, and, uh, and I'll probably finish up our series on the family this morning. Uh, with this message, and you can't hardly preach on the family and think about the family without thinking of this verse in Joshua chapter number 24 and verse number 14. The Bible says this, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be in your house, gathered around your word. God, I pray that you would use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch and encourage and help and strengthen each and every believer that's here. Father, if there's one that does not know you as their personal Savior, God, I pray that they would put their faith and trust in you today. And God, will certainly thank you for that. And God, we ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at the passage, uh, we, uh, of course, come to the end of the book of Joshua. 
And the context of this book is really quite incredible because if you were to go back and read the entire book of, of Joshua, uh, it's an exciting book. It's about conquering uh, the land and taking over all the places that God had promised uh, Abraham. You remember God had called Abraham out of the land of Ur of the Chaldees. And, uh, and said, hey, uh, go into a land that I will show you and, and I'll bless you and give you that land. And of course, God did that. And we see the miraculous birth of Isaac, Abraham's son, well into their 90s when, uh, when Isaac was born. And, and, uh, and we find that Isaac was born and then God blessed. And, uh, and, and under Jacob, boy, he had the 12 sons that created the 12 tribes of Israel. They were living there in Israel and dwelling in the land, and there was a famine that came up, and so they ended up going down to uh, Egypt, and they were there then uh, for almost 400 years in the land of Egypt. During that time, what happened to their land that God had promised is other nations had moved in there and occupied that place that was there, and Afterwards, we know that God miraculously brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt. Well, you talk about exciting passage. I love to read those first 12 chapters of Exodus as it talks about the, uh, the plagues that God sent on the nation of Israel. And then that 13th and 14th chapter where they're crossing the Red Sea. Just a phenomenal working of God in the nation of Israel. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I don't know if they have, I don't, they probably don't have DVDs or hard drives in heaven, but man, I hope I can go back and see that Red Sea being parted. And that nation of Israel uh, fleeing across on dry ground and Egypt pursuing after, I just think that'd be something phenomenal to be able to watch that take place. Of course, God got them to the other side, and you know the story how they wandered then because of their disobedience and their unbelief in the wilderness for 40 years. And finally came the time that God said, hey, I'm going to bring you to the promised land, and that brings us up to the beginning of the book of Joshua, and, and, uh, and God used Joshua uh, to go into the land and, and to drive out the other people. And, and I thought about this, I was thinking about the text and thinking about that, and, and really God promised them that He would give them a land and that they would be able to move into houses which they built not and uh, have fields that they had not plowed or uh, planted and, uh, and be able to reap the harvest from that. And the only way that would be possible, at least from our human perspective, is that God would allow the enemy to occupy the place until it came time for the nation of Israel to move in. I mean, if those houses had been set there, um, you know as well as I do, a house that is just sitting there with nobody upkeeping it is going to fall apart. And uh, animals would have moved in and the fields would have been overrun. Fields don't just uh, prop up by themselves and somebody has to weed them and somebody has to work them and somebody has to take care of them. And, and so uh, they, they, God blessed them greatly by moving into that place. And as you read the book of Joshua, they're not uh, really... It was God that was leading and conquering uh, those lands and driving those people out. And yes, He used the nation of Israel, but He was with them every step of the way. And so God drove out those people and gave them that land. 
And we find in Joshua chapter 24, look with me in verse number 1, the context of this idea. He says there in verse number 1, And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and called for the elders of Israel, and for their heads, and for their judges, and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. We find that Joshua had called a, uh, a family meeting, if I can say it that way, of all the, the tribes of Israel and all the heads and the judges and the most, uh, those that were uh, the decision-making responsibilities for those tribes and brought them in. And he's about to talk to them. And of course, we read those verses there in verses 14 and 15 that, that he says in verse number 15, choose you this day. And then he goes on and he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What an incredible passage. And as we look at verses 14 and 15, I want you to notice Joshua's request to these elders of Israel. And his request is simply this. He says there in verse number 14, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, or who, in whose land ye dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's interesting in verse number 15 because he really gives them another option. He doesn't say your only option is to serve the Lord, but rather he says, listen, if you think God has done you unjustly, and if you think God has been unfair in your life, and if you think God has not treated you fairly, then go serve other gods. He doesn't, he doesn't tell them you have to serve God. He gives them an ultimatum and says, hey, you can choose to serve God, or you can choose to serve the gods of your fathers and the Amorites, that dwell in this land. And he really tells them, it's one or the other. You can have what you would like. And listen, we live in a very humanistic society today. I started thinking about that. What is that humanism and what is it? Well, I looked it up because I thought, boy, I better be able to define that. And humanism means this. It's a doctrine or attitude or way of life centered on human interests or values, especially a philosophy that usually rejects supernaturalism and stresses an individual's dignity and worth and capacity for self-realization through reason. That's secular humanism. And the idea is that uh, we don't need God to govern us, but we can govern ourselves as a society and maintain a peaceable order uh, type of society, which I don't know about you, but the past two years have shown me that doesn't happen without God. <laughs> I mean, you take God out of the picture and it's just one man against another man trying to gain the authority to control the other people and tell them that I'm the boss and I'm in charge and only to be overthrown by another man who comes along a little bit later and is a little more powerful. 
And so God's authority maintains a certain amount of order in the society. And I'm just saying that secular humanism has creeped into, uh, definitely into our society, and it is almost the mainstream idea that you don't need God and that you can live your life independent of God and live any way you want. Listen, today, that would probably be the other God, that, that Joshua would say, hey, you can serve secular humanism if you want, or you can serve God. By the way, secular humanism has crept into Christianity by and large. So that most of Christianity would say, well, you can believe in God, it's okay, but you really live your life independent of God, and God has no real interaction with your life on a daily basis. And yes, you acknowledge and believe that God exists, but you live your life kind of independent of God. That's about where Christianity is in America. That they acknowledge there's a God, but really, they're going to live their life the way they choose to live it without any uh, thought or concern about what God thinks about how we live our life. And so I find that his ultimatum that he presents or his options that he presents really almost fit today that, hey, listen, you can serve the Lord your God today or you can choose to serve the gods of your fathers and the gods of other people and the gods of the land that we live in that would be very uh, humanistic in nature. But we have to choose. We have to decide. And we find that they, he does present both of those sides. But he also says, uh, the Lord there in verse number 14. I love verse number 14. He says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity. Sincerity would be saying, hey, I truly do love the Lord. I truly do want to serve the Lord. And I'm sincere. I'm not just... Uh, I'm not just uh, putting on Christianity because it's a, uh, it fits well and that's what my family has always done and uh, that's maybe the best option for me and so I'll put on my Christianity and grab my Bible on Sunday and go to church and off I go and, uh, and I'm a polished Christian and, uh, and then on Monday, uh, boy, I set my Bible down, I go home Sunday and I put it back on the shelf and I live my life throughout the week and I don't touch my Bible and I don't think about God. I live my life independently of God. And, and, and then Sunday comes around and I say, oh, i got to get my Bible out. i got to get ready for church again. Listen, that's not sincerity in our service. He's saying, hey, we ought to be cognizant and aware of God and have a genuine desire to serve our Lord. He's saying that we would serve Him in sincerity. Not only in sincerity, but He says there after that, He says, and in truth. Hey, that would be in sincerity and scripturally. Hey, we've got to serve the Lord according to the Word of God. I can't tell you how many people uh, get off rails and, and they're excited about serving God. And, and listen, you ought to be excited about serving the Lord. That's a good thing. 
But the problem is, they don't do it according to knowledge and they get away from the Word of God and, and, and they, uh, they don't follow the Word of God in their life and it creates a problem and it creates a, 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 a distraction and it creates all kinds of uh, problems in our life. We've got to be careful that we follow the Word of God. Praise the Lord, we have the good old-fashioned King James Bible. Hey, listen, this is the Word of God. We ought to follow the Word of God in our life. You know how you do that? You read it. It's that simple. You take time out of your schedule and read the Word of God. He was saying, follow the Lord in sincerity, follow the Lord scripturally. But then he said this in verse number 14, he gives us a whole recipe here, and he says, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side. He's saying, hey, you have to separate and cut things out of your life. This book is divisive. It is. It divides. The Bible says it, it, it pierces the sunder of, uh, of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And, and listen, that it divides between the very uh, marrow of the bone. I mean, it divides and it knows what is good. And when you read the Word of God and God convicts you and shows you something, hey, there are some things that we have got to put out of our life. We find it here that He's saying, hey, you have got to separate and put out the gods of your fathers and some of the traditions that you had. And you've got to be very careful about that. In Peru, we, we lived there, of course, for a long time. And, and it's very true. I always tell people, you want a tip? Here's my tip. Don't drink the water in South America or Mexico. It's very true. And, uh, and, and we lived there for a long time. We had this great filtration system and and uh, I mean, you could dump muddy water in that thing and, and it would come out and you could drink it and it, you wouldn't get sick. But I tell you what, you don't, you don't take that pure water and then take water from the, from the spigot and put them together. That would be foolish. Why would you do it? If, if you did that in my house, I would not be drinking that water. I lived there long enough to know what happens when you drink that water. We got sick on a regular basis. And so I know you don't mix those two things. If you have that pure water, uh, then man, you better be careful. That's the pure water and this is what I want. And this is the only thing that I'm drinking because I don't want to get sick. I don't want to run the risk of having uh, those problems. And so there was a separation that would take place. Hey, listen, God has told us that we need to be very careful and we need to separate and there's some things in our life that we have got to get rid of if we want to live for the Lord. And he tells them here that they have to separate and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. He puts it to them in verse number 15 and says, choose you this day. It is a decision that they had to make. One of the hardest things being in the ministry, is I cannot choose for you. 
The Apostle Paul said that. He said, I, I would that, my, that I could give my life basically for my brethren, for Israel, that they would be saved. In other words, Paul was so concerned. He said, I wish I could make up my mind or even give myself so that they could be saved. But it's not possible. Every person must decide for themselves if they're going to put away from their life the gods of their fathers and serve the Lord Jesus Christ or if they're going to follow Follow after the things of the world. It is a personal decision. You know what I find interesting about all of this and this passage? This is after they've come out of the nation of, of Egypt. This is after they've spent 40, 40 years wandering in the wilderness. This is after they've gone through and they've conquered the nation of Israel and kicked out and they've already divided up the lands. And now Joshua is saying, choose you this day. You would think, these are new people. Oh no, no, these are very experienced people. These are people that have been through the battles. These are people that have walked through the wilderness. These are people that have seen the miracle, miracle working God work miracles in their lives. They have seen and witnessed God do things. And now they are being faced with a decision. And you know what that tells me? That it doesn't matter how long you've been in church. It doesn't matter how long you've served the Lord. It doesn't matter how much history you have with God. You have to choose on a regular basis. Am I going to serve God? And am I going to follow God? And Joshua is telling them, choose you this day whom you will serve. Listen, your decision must be made. It's not going to be by accident that you follow the Lord. No, it's going to happen on purpose because you decide to follow the Lord. It's, sincerity does not happen by accident. It's you saying, I truly, genuinely want to follow the Lord. Hey, being separated from the world is not going to be, happen by accident. Being mixed with the world, that'll happen by accident. That'll happen automatically. Matter of fact, that'll happen without you ever even thinking about it. Matter of fact, if you allow it to continue, you'll be submersed fully in the world before you realize it, and you'll be saying, how did I end up over here? being separated from the world and putting away the gods of your fathers, that doesn't happen by accident. It happens by choice in your life that you say, I have to get rid of these things in my life and that I want to dedicate and follow God with my life. It is a choice that we have to make in our life. And so Joshua presents them with a request saying, hey, choose you this day whom you will serve. I noticed as I was reading our text, verse number 14, look with me there. He says, now therefore. Somebody said one time, anytime you see a therefore, you better look back and find out what it is there for. And so I looked back. And if you go all the way back to chapter one there, or chapter 24, the same chapter, but verse number two, uh, verse number one, of course, he calls the tribes all together and, and he's talking to the nation of Israel and he's going to present to them this, this request of this decision that they have to make. Are you going to follow God or not? And in verse number two, all the way down to verse number 13, he gives them an entire history lesson reminding them of what had taken place 
case. We're not going to read it all for sake of time. But look with me there. In verse number 2, he, he reminds them that Terah, uh, who was Abraham's dad, served other gods. And God had called Abraham out of that. In verse number 3, he tells them about the blessing of Isaac, the miracle child. In verse number 4, he tells them about the nation increased to 12 children, the tribes of Jacob, uh, and how they went down to Egypt because of the drought. In verse 5, he talks about the plagues of Egypt and how they had taken place and God led them out of the nation of Egypt. And in verses 6 and 7, he talks about the Red Sea and the wilderness wanderings. And listen, they had many of them had been young people that had witnessed that. I mean, just to have been there and saw that uh, as children, they might not have understood everything, but they walked across that, that uh, Red Sea that day and, uh, and they thought, man, what an incredible thing. And so they saw that and he's reminding them of that. In verse number 8, we find the conquest of the Amorites and how they had uh, uh, kicked them out. And we find there in verses uh, 11 through, or 9 and 10 rather, the deliverance from Moab. And how Balaam had been hired to prophesy against Israel. And God said, hey, I delivered you from that and saved you. And in verses 11 through 13, we find the conquest of the land. Look at what he says there in verse number 13. He says, and I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them, and of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted not, do ye eat. And he gave them a history lesson saying, hey, listen, God has worked miraculously in your life. And you have a rich heritage with the Lord. He goes through all of that. He walks them through very briefly, very quickly. And listen, as you look at that and you read that, uh, boy, you can't help but be blessed by God's involvement in their life. You say, man, God really had His hand on a big picture there. God was really working in the nation of Israel. Yes, He was. And He really ministered and He really did a lot of things. And it's really an amazing thing how God takes out all of that span of time. You're talking about uh, probably, um, well, it's well over 400 years of history that was packed in there, probably 500 years of history uh, that, that God was repeatedly working with and blessing and taking care of the nation of Israel. God was blessing, and he, and he reminded them all of that. And as we think about that, let me ask you this question this morning. Where would you be without God? I shudder to think, to be honest with you, where, what path my life would have taken, where I would have ended up without God in my life. I, I wouldn't have been here, I could promise you that. And, and where would we be? And the fact of the matter is that God has had His hand on your life and, and involved in your life. You, you say, well, Pastor, I've only been saved for a short time. Hey, for that short time, God has saved you and, and, and brought you into a church where you can learn the Word of God. Maybe you've been in years. Maybe you've, hey, my heritage is my grandfather got saved. I thank God for that. And because he got saved, my dad as an eight-year-old boy got saved. And I thank God for that because that's a string of heritage that I can look back and I can say thank God that he worked way back then and he moved throughout all of that time. Maybe that's your story. I don't know what it is, but I know this, that every one of us ought to look and say thank God 
for His involvement in my life. Where would you be without God? Where would our country be without God? Oh, secular humanism and, and much of society today would love to erase and blot out God's name out of our history and blot out the prayers of our forefathers and blot out uh, the fact that they were uh, some of them were truly born-again Christians who did love the Lord. And I'm not saying they were all perfect. By the way, uh, the, the, the Bible people that we just read about, Abraham and Jacob and, and, uh, and those guys, they were not perfect either. But God used them in a mighty way. We look at our history in America. And listen, God has blessed our country phenomenally. It is, it, they're having a hard time erasing it, to be honest with you. Oh, it's written on all our coins. It's written in our founding documents. It's written in our, our capital houses. It's written everywhere in God we trust and how we stand on God. And I'm not saying that our country is perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I tell you what, I'll take a country that was founded on God any day over a country that was founded on something else. We're one of the most blessed countries in the world. Listen, that's God. That's God's handiwork in our country. And I'm just telling you, we're blessed because of God. And we have great reason to choose. This is the reason he's telling them. We see the request was, choose you this day. We see the reason he says, therefore, because the great history of how God has blessed your life and blessed your country and brought you to this place where you're at today. There's a great reason. But I want you to notice this. Not only the request that he made, choose you this day, but the, the, the reason is because of the blessed history that you have. But I want you to notice, and look with me in verse number 16, as we stopped there, he says there in verse number 16, and the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up out of, and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and which did those great signs in our sights and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwell in the land. Where, therefore will we also serve the Lord, and He is our God. Joshua had brought them into the decision-making part, and, and he presented to them the decision, uh, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. And he gave them a history lesson saying, hey, this is the reasons that you ought to serve the Lord. And they finally, they did decide, they said, hey, God forbid that we would go back to Egypt. God forbid that we would serve the gods of the Amorites who God kicked out of this country. God forbid that we would fall by the wayside, but we will serve the Lord was their decision. And after that, we read the requirements that Joshua laid forth. Look with me in verse number 16. Well, we just read that down through 18. We see the commitment that they made. They said, hey, we will serve the Lord. We're not going back. Oh, listen, I would that you would this morning look over your heritage and your history and say, you know what? God has blessed me beyond measure. Oh, God's been so good to me. And listen, He's been good to me. 
I don't have any reason to forsake Him. I don't have any reason to go the other way. And listen, we ought to look back and say and see the points. Oh, we, we have failures, yes, and we have our problems. But, but look at back over where God has blessed your life and provided for you and taken care of you and saved you and, and changed your life and say, you know what? I want to serve Him because He's been so good to me. Make a commitment and say, I'm going to serve God. Listen, this morning, a committed Christian doesn't have to decide if they're going to go to church. They're committed. They're going to go. A committed Christian doesn't have to decide, am I going to read the Bible? No, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm committed. A committed Christian doesn't have to decide, am I going to pray? No, no, no. I'm already decided. I'm committed. I'm going to pray. A committed Christian doesn't have to decide, am I going to tithe or give an offering? No, I'm committed to God and I'm going to do those things because of my commitment. A committed Christian doesn't have to decide, am I going to witness or not? No, I'm committed to God and therefore I'm going to do these things uh, that I know that God would have me to do. A committed Christian doesn't have to decide, am I going to serve the Lord or no? I'm committed to God and I'm going to serve the Lord we find that they committed themselves to God in verses 16 through 18. Look at what he tells them in verse 23. Now therefore, he's already covered this, put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. Not only are we to commit ourselves to God, but secondly, we are to cleanse our life. Listen, they had to recognize the gods that were involved in their life. They, they had to look, they had to evaluate their life and say, well, where, where are these things that are in my life? And what are these things that I need to put out of my life? And listen, sometimes we have got to stop and we've got to evaluate our lives and say, God, is there anything that is unpleasing to you? Is there anything that I should not have in my life that I need to separate from my life, that I need to put away from my life, that I need to carve out of my life? Hey, is there anything that I I have to decide in my life that I need to get rid of these things and we need to put away those things. We've got to cleanse our life. The Bible says in Psalm 119, I love the verse, and uh, I think it's verse number 9, where, or verse number 11, somewhere in there, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to the word of God. Reading this book and saying, God, oh, there's something. I need to get that taken care of in my life. Oh God, what, what about this? And you're reading along and God says, there's something else. Hey, you read this book and you take heed to this book. You pay attention. You say, God, what do, would you have me to do? And, and you read it. And as God speaks to you, you say, all right, Lord, I'll, I'll cut that out. I'll clean that out. Get rid of those things out of your life. And, and listen, if you don't know, uh, then ask God to show you. And He'll show you. And walk with God. Cleanse your life. Commit your way to the Lord. Cleanse your life in verse 23. Look at what he says there in verse 23 as well. Not only does he say, put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord. 
You know what he says? Comply. It's not outward compliance. The words he says is, incline thine heart. He's a little boy in Sunday school. He was standing up, or maybe he was in church, and he was standing up, and his dad said, sit down, son. The little boy said, no. He said, boy, if you don't sit down, I'm going to tan your hide. That boy sat down, and he looked up, that kind of glare in his eye. He said, I might be sitting down on the outside, but I'm a standing on the inside. His heart wasn't inclined. Oh, outwardly, he was forced to do and comply with what he was required to do, but his heart didn't have nothing to do with it. Listen, God doesn't, God's not, near as interested in our compliance outwardly as he is with our inward compliance and saying, God, I want to serve you. And God, you have my heart. And if God can get your heart, all the rest will fall into place. Hey, it's not, that's, that's not the problem. We, we work to beat our our flesh into subjection and we work to do all these things. God says, incline your heart unto the Lord. Compliance. It's an inward surrender. It's an inward attitude of bowing to God and saying, God, I'm yours. And whatever you want of me is not too great to ask of me. Or it's not too small. I'll serve you in any way that I can. It's a humbling it's a bowing. It's a, it's a heeding of God's word and saying, I will obey compliance. That's the requirement to choosing to serve the Lord. He, he laid it out for us two different times. He tells us that in verse 14, and he, and he lays it out for us in verses 23 all the way down through 25. The Bible says, So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. You know, it's amazing. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You get to the end of the chapter. Joshua dies. He's at the end of his life. But he said, hey, I, I want my family to continue going forward and serving the Lord. And I want you who have conquered the land. I want you that have wandered in the wilderness and, and come out of that and and, and, and conquer the land. I want you to choose to serve the Lord with your life. It is your choice. I can't force you. Oh, I encourage you. I want you to choose right, and I want you to serve the Lord, and, and I want you to follow God, but I, I can't force you to do that. You have to decide. And he says, choose you this day whom you will serve. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, Maybe you're standing at a crossroads this morning. Maybe you're wondering which way to go and you don't know in your life. Maybe God has brought some things up and said, well, are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to go this direction or are you going to choose to go this direction? Are you going to choose to follow the Lord or are you going to choose to go the way of the world? And the choice is totally up to you. I'd admonish you, I'd encourage you, choose to serve the Lord. 
choose to follow the Lord. Father, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. God, I pray that you'd help each, each and every person to choose to follow you. God, one of the best decisions they could make in their life. God, perhaps one is not saved and does not know you. The very first step to following you is God putting their faith and trust in you for salvation. God, you're the only one that can save. So God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. Father, we'll thank you for that. We'll give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the heads are bowed and eyes are closed, but the altar is open. You can pray at the altar. You can pray at your seat. Maybe you need to make a commitment to the Lord. Maybe you're saying, well, I know I'm saved, Pastor, but just not as committed as I need to be. Maybe you've made a commitment in the past and you need to recommit your life. Sometimes we get off, we get distracted, sometimes we get sidetracked, sometimes the world just interferes with our life. Why not recommit your way to Him? Choose you this day whom you will serve going to follow the Lord. Maybe you just want to thank Him for your great heritage that you have. Oh, God's bad. I know some of your testimonies. Man, God has blessed your life beyond measure. Thank God for that. Give Him the praise and glory for that. Let that inspire you to serve Him. Whatever the need, the altar's open.